0: So you guys know I'm all about figuring out ways to elevate our wellness, to feel better in the body that we've been given, and to really reflect on the tools that we're taught, the forms of medicine that we're given, to find things that truly work for our body. So I have to admit, when I started using essential oils, it was for a very superficial reason i loved the look of my beautiful white diffuser and i loved having a home that smelled like lavender and fresh orange and and all these beautiful scents i had no idea that these things actually had a true benefit for our wellness when they're used properly and the more that i dug into this and asked questions the more i came to understand the power of essential oils and plant-based wellness. So I'm so excited to have national educator from Sage Natural Wellness, Megan Rose Martin, joining us today on the podcast to really dive into essential oils and how they can support us in our wellness. Megan Rose holds designations in Reiki, massage, yoga teaching, nutrition, and aromatherapy that really allow her to support individuals in elevating their own wellness. So we're so lucky to have her time and talent here to help us understand this beautiful product a little bit more. So thank you so much for being here, Megan Rose.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to connect with you and to really just talk plants.
0: You have such a diverse background. You are currently working in like, quote unquote, a corporate company, although I know Sage doesn't necessarily feel like that at times, but you come from a background where you've been a practitioner of wellness as well. Can you tell me a little bit about your journey getting to where you are right now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, becoming a practitioner in wellness I think is an ongoing thing for me, but it really sprouted out of my life and my body falling out of balance. So I actually originally came from a really corporate world and really it wasn't until I lost touch with some really essential parts of being human and pausing and taking care of myself that I realized that That essentially is our only job is to be well human beings. That's really where that practice started for me. So, yeah, I just fell out of line and had to readjust. And that's really where the dedication to Thai massage and Reiki and all of these healing modalities came in. And it wasn't until I could find that balance again that I was able to step back into a corporate world with a bit more of a sense of balance
0: resilience. Can you tell me what did that look like when you say you fell out of balance with yourself when you were working in the corporate world? Because I think so many of our listeners are thinking, hold on, am I maybe out of balance right now in my job or in my life or in my career? So what did that mean and what did that look like for you? Yeah. Well, first off, the
1: word balance has been ever-changing for me, but really for me, I chalk it up to falling out of a state of flow And so for me, it was doing something every day that I wasn't aligned with. So, you know, for me, working for the government just didn't work for me. That's actually where my passion for medicinal properties came in. So I was faced with a lot of different immune system complications. I started experiencing really bad migraines. And then eventually my body just shut down. I ended up getting really bad adrenal fatigue. I eventually took about, I think it was almost like, Four or five months off of work because I was physically unable to move my body. And so I physically shut down like my body spoke so loudly that I had no choice but to stop everything and start at the base level of what my body needed.
0: It's so amazing how brilliant our bodies are at speaking to us and at giving us these little hints and nudges here and there. But that how often it is, and listen, I've been there too many times, that it requires us to have like a full full blown meltdown before we actually stop and listen to our bodies before we're actually like, what is going on here? Maybe this isn't the right job for me, or I'm not surrounding myself by the right people, or I need to, you know, reexamine my thoughts and beliefs. It just, it's a story that so many women have lived. And I often wonder whether or not, it's almost necessary to force us into a new trajectory of wellness and looking after ourselves and to force us out of, you know, whatever rut it is that we're in and into a new one. So what did that look like for you when you were in that place where you're like, I am not well, my immune system's down, uh, my body is telling me in so many ways that I I can't keep doing this. How did you start to figure out your next steps?
1: Well, I think, To answer your question around what did it look like specifically, immediately I think about the signs in my life. So it was little things like, you know, as simple as me waking up and having that kind of soul consciousness murmuring of, I really don't want to go to work today. Like, I really don't want to do this. Or I'm too exhausted to get up and go move and do something that I love, which was teaching yoga at the time. I was doing that on the side. And I'm too exhausted to do that. Those are things that are so basic. You know, movement is such a part of our wellness. And when our body decides that it's going to communicate in a way that it's going to debilitate you from moving, that to me was a huge sign. And then things like relationship, examining relationships in life and seeing, you know, who are the people I'm surrounding myself with, as you say, and who are some of the most incredible people that I'm just not attracting in my sphere or that are abandoning me which ultimately I think when people leave us it's because we've left ourselves a long time ago so
0: you know mm. for me it
1: was it was that it was people were leaving me in my life that were really important to me and I felt like I was just kind of losing grip of the things that brought me
0: joy so where did you go from there you're at the bottom of this pit
1: where I went from there was I mean I work really well off of starting fresh so I actually ended up traveling for a little bit and then decided to move to Vancouver. And in that transitional phase in my life, I literally stopped working. I moved back home with my parents. I ended a relationship and it was just something so basic every day. is like, I have to get up and brush my teeth today. I'm depressed. I have to get up and brush my teeth. I have to decide what it is that genuinely makes me happy. So like journaling. Journaling, I feel like it's so... Used as a word, people are like, "I'm going to journal. I'm going to journal my feelings today." But the effectiveness of it, when it's done with intentionality, is it's so powerful because it's manifestation. So for me, I started journaling. I started having conversations with people that I admired. Started to say no to things that didn't matter in my world, Um, and I let go of a couple symbols of myself. So for me, a big stressor and constant fear was if I quit my job, I'm not going to be financially stable. And if I leave my partner, I won't have that shared income. What am I going to do? And letting go of those symbols of myself. So that came through meditation. That's how I found meditation was just like, these are just symbols of ourselves. They don't actually make up who we are. You know, Our identity is not how much we earn. It's not our job title. It's just who we are and what we enjoy doing. And really redefining that answer when someone would say to me well who are you and like hey nice to meet you what are you about and all I could tell them was what I did for a living like I had to really rebuild who it was that I truly felt I was.
0: It is so scary going through one of those times but it is one of the most freeing and liberating moments that you can possibly have because you just provide yourself with this opportunity to create a foundation from which you can build the rest of your life, which it sounds like you did. So you have moved to Vancouver, left a relationship, you're back living with your parents. Where do you go from here?
1: Well, really, it was just about, you know, waking up every day and asking myself what I genuinely wanted. And I'll say that I was I was one of those very lucky people that was able to move back in with my family and I would never take that for granted. And there was ultimately a feeling of defeat there for me. So it lit a fire under me to get back out from that family nest and get back onto my feet. For me, it was every day like I just have to get up and brush my teeth and brush my hair and figure out what it is that I want to do today. And sometimes that looked like journaling. And sometimes it just looked like deep reflection of what are these fears that are coming up? And, you know, for me, one of the big fears or senses of identity that I had was how much money am I earning? Money really controlled my life. It controlled a lot of my decisions that I made really was a determining factor to whether I would stay in a certain city or stay with a certain company. And I just realized that that was very much a symbol of of who I was and not who I am. So that discovery came through meditation. Um, That's where meditation came into my life, was just sitting with myself and sitting with uncomfortability and being okay with how that felt. And then I would say that that's also where I started to learn what joy felt like, but really it was just sitting. It was getting out of the doing and just stepping into being. And there wasn't really a step-by-step. It was like just be, and
0: then listen. Oh, Meditation is such a powerful tool. And I can't, I honestly can't say enough about it and how it's helped me through those challenging times as well. So I love that it was a tool that you also used during a, a difficult time. anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash rawbeautytalks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash rawbeautytalks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L. well it is official fall and the cooler weather is here to stay but i've got to be honest i'm kind of okay with it because i've got a big warm cup of david's tea by my side at all times I know you're probably thinking, Erin, what could be so different about this kind of tea? Well, let me tell you, the flavors are everything, girls. And the loose leaf blends are so pretty, you're almost not going to want to drink them. Some of my favorite flavors include Carrot Cupcake, S'more Chai, and Pumpkin Chai. And of course, you've all heard me talk about my latest obsession, Sunny Sea, which is bursting with freshly squeezed orange. This fresh, bright tea, I promise it's going to leave you feeling energized and like you're wrapped up in a big, cozy blanket. Yes, please. I'm stocking up and I'm so excited because for a limited time, David's Tea is offering you 20% off everything in store and at davidstea.com when you use the code RAWBEAUTY20. There really couldn't be a more beautiful gift to give someone you love, including your sweet self. So head on over to davidstea.com and use the code rawbeauty20 for 20% off now. This code isn't gonna last long, so get it while you can. Also, if you're tuned in and thinking that it might be time to try essential oils, I mean, really, how could you not at this point? Head on over to sage.com to get 20% off all their beautiful diffusers and essential oils using the code RAWBEAUTY20. I'd recommend starting with an Aroma Om diffuser, then choose whatever essential oils speak to you, and also the Peppermint Halo Roll-On is amazing. These discount codes won't be around forever, so save while you can using the code RAWBEAUTY20. All right, let's get back to the show. So how did you end up working as a national educator at Sage with essential oils (laughs) from the spot that you're in? You're, you're meditating, you're journaling, you're self-reflecting. What comes next?
1: Well, I mean, I moved to Vancouver. That was really the big thing. And I would say that that was the most life-changing thing I've ever done for myself was just pick up and leave and trust that the universe would touch me. And I started working at Lululemon actually, when I, within my first week of moving I started working at Lululemon and then eventually kind of had my time there and and decided to move on and dabbled in a couple of other things. And I was in a bit of a point in my life where I thought, like, do I jump into creating a business? What do I do? What do I want? And this opportunity to work in one of our stores actually came up. And I was just like, OK, I love connecting with people. I don't need to have this big corporate job to define me. I'm gonna step into the world of retail and and just be on the floors and connect with people. That was my way of escaping and just being present with people, I guess. And so I started out in stores. And how I came to find that company was just actually through having migraines. I actually had a migraine. It was so bad one day, and I was just standing outside of one of the stores. And one of the women that worked in the store came and approached me, and she was like, "You look kind of sore. Like, are you okay?" And I I have a full blown migraine. It's about to start and I'm okay. I just need to get myself home. And she actually put some of the product on me. And like, I'm not kidding. It was a coming to Jesus moment for me. And right away I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to work for this brand. Like, I want to work for them. So I, I started just working in the stores and I managed a, a team for a little bit and I supported with a couple of different stores in the Vancouver area eventually got in as a marketing coordinator. My background was in marketing. So it was very fitting that I got into that. And I think really quickly, you know, we have a really big culture of practicing your Dharma at Sage. And I think very quickly, I discovered that like I loved community and I loved education. And that's what I declared that I wanted. And I just went for it. And I started working and managing Vancouver community. And eventually my dream job came up to create a role for national education. And that's what I did. And it was just a, a years of accumulation of knowledge and passion for plants that got me
0: there, really. Wow. Talk about finding your flow. You mentioned that when you were in your previous role that you just felt like you were not in flow. And it sounds like once you, as you said, followed your dharma, can you explain what that means to people who are listening and myself? Like I understand it, but what does the word dharma even mean?
1: Dharma is basically, it's kind of reused in, in our work setting to define like, you're on purpose, essentially. Mm. You're, Dharma is just being on your purpose. And especially in, in a sage work culture, there's not really a, a huge separation between your work and your life. And it's meant to be that you, you can be the same person that you are in and outside of home. And so, Dharma, what it looked like for me was, what would I be doing if I wasn't at work every day? Mm. And that would be educating people specifically on wellness and plants. And I'm just really lucky that I get to do it every day. So Dharma was really me finding my purpose
0: through education. And now we're so lucky to have you here sharing your purpose with us to educate us on plant-based medicine and essential oils. I mean, I I say plant-based medicine because these these essential oils really can change our lives, change our bodies. And I, and I don't want to make it like into some magical potion or something like that, but they really can have a powerful effect. Can you explain to us how essential oils work, what they are and how they work? Exactly to your point,
1: essential oils aren't going to reset a broken bone. They're not magical. Of course, you're totally accurate in saying that. But what they can be is a, is a tool to leverage and interact with our limbic system. Which is what I would say that that's honestly where I'm the most fascinated with them. They give us this immediate access to our, our most primal sense, which is smell. You know, what essential oils really are is just this highly concentrated extract of a plant could be a leaf, resin, any kind of plant material really. And what I liken them to being is basically a plant's immune system. So that is the magic in
0: and of itself. So I feel like there's so many things in the world of wellness right now that we're reading about, that we're hearing about with essential oils is it you know an ancient ritual that you know our ancestors used years and years ago and it still maintains a beautiful ritual or is there actually scientific evidence that it does impact our limbic system and that it can support our well-being.
1: Again, answer is both the official Use of essential oils dates back to 1910, and that's the first recorded time where it was, lavender was actually used to treat a burn. Mm. You know, and then eventually lavender, for instance, started to be used in all sorts of different medical procedures and specifically childbirth because it was really calming for the mom and really great for managing pain. So it started to be introduced as a more medicinal practice, but also really, really wonderful for rituals and ceremony as well.
0: Hmm. Now, I was with a friend the other day, and we were talking about essential oils. And he said, you know, they're all the same. It's just different branding. So different companies are reaching different people. And I was like, I don't think that's the truth at all. I think there's different qualities of oil. Are there different qualities of oil? Is it all coming from the same place? Can you tell us a little bit about the industry as a whole?
1: Yes, absolutely. I think this is such a good question. In short, essential oils are not all the same quality. And to your point, yeah, it is an industry. And we're being inundated with a ton of information when it comes to the wellness industry in general. And sometimes it's really hard to decipher, you know, when you pick up a bottle, like, what am I getting in this bottle? And so I think there are many, many different indicators. If I can narrow them down Three main ones. I would say your price is a huge indicator, marketing buzzwords, and really developing a relationship with your supplier and your brand. You know, and then there are some other obvious ones like ingredients. You know, something that people don't know to look for is the Latin descriptor of an essential oil. So when you look at an essential oil bottle, actually flipping it around and reading the back, it doesn't matter what the title says, read the back. The back of the bottle will actually tell you What's in that bottle? So most people don't realize that there are actually so many different plant species out there. So for example, we think about eucalyptus. What many people don't know is that there's, I think there's upwards of 750 different species. And oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And 500 of those will produce essential oils. So they're all going to have their own Latin name and their own specific function. So knowing what properties you're actually seeking out in your plant is really important. And that's as simple as like, you can Google that. Technology is so great for that. You can Google the type of eucalyptus you want. You know, another piece is your point of origin. When we talk about essential oils and, you know, the fact that they do develop oils in order to thrive in a certain climate, point of origin is really important when we think about their climate and how they're growing and are they thriving in that environment? Are you going to get the best quality of plant if it's coming from, basically it's, place of origin those other three pieces that I connected on just with price if your price feels like it's too good to be true so you're you know at a sale rack in some store and you see this price that feels like it's like five dollars for rose like that's probably a reason to raise an eyebrow but if it also feels like you're about to drop your monthly mortgage on an oil, you're probably overpaying. <laughs> so, you know, being aware of that price and not falling prey to marketing buzzwords like colors and names and all sorts of totally incredulous claims that'll basically make you think that this oil is magical and it's going to solve all of your problems. You know, like we said earlier, it's, it's not going to, but a couple of marketing terms that I would say that people should look out for is when the word essential is not listed so when you pick up a bottle and let's say it says rose that should say rose essential oil and if it doesn't what you may be buying is a lower price hybrid meaning that it like it would have material from the plant but we don't know how much and it probably isn't going to have the same therapeutic properties as the real deal so a safe option is to seek out words like 100 percent pure essential oil and to be cautious of claims like all natural, you know, one that I see a lot is therapy grade. Another one is fragrance oil. So just asking yourself when you're reading those labels, like, how do I actually know this to be true? Because it feels too good to be true. It probably is. Mm. And mm-hmm. that's where the relationship comes in with your supplier. So there's a number of, you know, different tests that companies can do to inspect the quality of an oil before it's bottled and sold under their brand. And a lot of suppliers will go through those tests and they'll go through farmers and wholesalers whose integrity they've really come to trust over the years of working with them. But what's important to note is that not all of these companies do this. So, you know, a lot of us wouldn't even know how to read or interpret these tests without chemistry background. But, you know, my best advice is to get really curious about the story and the practices of a brand that's supplying the oil because That's really what builds trust. And I think aligning your values with them, like, does that company work to remediate the environment at all? And do they source sustainably from points of origin? Like, those are all really big indicators of whether something's going to be legit or not, you know?
0: Mm, And that's exactly why I decided to partner with Sage because I really believe in. The values that Sage carries as a company. I believe in how you're sourcing your products. I believe in the fact that they're all 100% natural. I wasn't aware of that when I started using essential oils at all. I used to buy essential oils from a company (laughs) and thinking back, I'm like, that was pure perfume that I was, you know, spreading throughout our entire house. And while that's not the end of the world with It kind of, I guess my values have just changed now to wanting to really provide a more clean space in our home and to not have synthetic fragrances around. So uh, thank you for sharing all of those. I think that they're super important and just easy things to look out for that people wouldn't normally consider or think about before purchasing an oil. So, okay, talking about purchasing oils, (laughs) when I first started to dive into this, it can be so overwhelming to know where to start and it can feel really exciting expensive. So do you have any recommendations for people who are like, I would like to try essential oils, but where do I begin?
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think with the overwhelm thing, I can relate to that. Cause I remember when I started dabbling into that, I just was like, oh my gosh, there's so many little brown bottles and I don't know what to use them. And I always joke that like, there's probably an essential oil out there that's going to support you with that feeling of feeling overwhelmed. You just got to find it. <laughs> Totally. Tell me which one that one is. (laughs) But Honestly, when you start with essential oils, the key is really just, just start small. I think we live very much in a society of excess. And so we think we have to start these big collections in order to feel better. We have to know everything possible in order to really get the benefits. And the truth of it is, it's so complex, but also so basic. Start with your nose. Like whatever smells good to you is probably what you need. Your nose really does know best. So get intentional and ask yourself, like, what is it that you want to elevate? So I find generally speaking, like when I do that, what I'm asking myself at the end of the day is how do I actually want to feel? And that's usually something that can be distilled down to one simple word, which is I want to feel calm. I want to feel energized, rested, and then looking into your life. Essential oils, it's like anything else. You can't always just jump into them. And it's easier to look at a ritual in your life that you've already got going on and integrate it that way. So what's a ritual in your life? Maybe even just brushing your teeth. For me, brushing my teeth is kind of a a cue that I'm starting my day. And for me, I need to feel very calm throughout the day. I still struggle as as an adult with anxiety. So once I know my intention, I can ask myself, how do I want to feel better? So when I go and brush my teeth in the morning, it's easy for me to integrate that ritual of smelling something that's, you know, citrusy or lavendery or whatever it is
0: to help me feel calm before I brush my teeth. So what are a couple of your favorite ways to apply essential oils or to actually get the benefit?
1: You know, when it comes to application, it, it's such a personal thing. And, you know, with anything new, if you're introducing it into your life and onto your body, It's very much a temple. So you kind of want to make sure you're checking in with, uh, you know, a trusted medical practitioner. But for me personally, as a general practice, I use them a lot in my bath. I use essential oils in my diffuser. One of my favorite, favorite ways though is to just inhale. Like I rub some in the palm of my hands and I take nice deep breaths. And I find that probably the most effective apart from topically when I'm in pain. But if I just need like that, calm down moment. Inhalation is by far the best for me. I think I would say one of the areas that I feel really strongly about when it comes to application is around the subject of ingestion. And I think it's a question I get a lot from people. And there are some people that are really under the misconception that ingestion can support the quicker absorption. And it's just, I just think it's not the case. It's not safe for our bodies.
0: Inhale them. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think that's so important. I actually can think of a couple companies where they talk about adding a couple drops of essential oils into warm water or into these little capsules. And there isn't any scientific or evidence based Research to support doing this. And I can't remember who it was, but they said, imagine taking like 100 lemons <laughs> and squeezing the oil out of it and then drinking that down. Think of how hard that would be on your body to digest that properly. So you really want to be careful about the amount that you're getting. And when you're breathing it in, that's a much safer way to control that. If you're interested in seeing what an inhale of An essential oil looks like you can head over to rawbeauty.co backslash sage and I actually show you how to do something called a sage breath. And I have some of my favorite tools for using essential oils over on that page. So that's rawbeauty.co backslash sage. I'm dying to know again, I didn't prep you with this question, so just give us your best answer here. So when you inhale an essential oil, and that little molecule goes up into your nose, what's happening inside your brain or your limbic system to create a reaction? How do they work? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: absolutely. (laughs) Honestly, it's just, you kind of hit it on the head. Like We have these kind of, I want to say, exposed nerves in our top of our nasal cavity. So when we inhale something... It's actually, smell is one of the most primal things that goes beyond our thinking brain. So it's almost just like this very, it's our most primal way of being. So it goes beyond our thinking. And what it allows us to do is to go beyond rational thought and into emotion. And emotion is not something that we can necessarily uh, rationalize. So when you smell something, like I'll give you an example. I smell lavender and I think about my mom and I think about her garden. And so when I smell like lavender, for me, I inhale that. It goes through my nasal cavity. Immediately, my limbic system recognizes that and turns it into an emotion. And then my body takes that and turns it into a thought. And so that visceral emotional reaction occurs before the thought does. And that's really what makes it so effective.
0: And that's a powerful way. Oh, it's so true. I mean, I bet anybody who's listening right now could stop and think about a certain smell that causes them to relate to either a moment in time, an event that they were part of, or a person who's important in their life and the emotion that comes with that. And it's so instantaneous. You can smell something and it just brings you back to another time or makes you feel something. So, I love understanding the science of how that's working behind the scenes and it really paints a clear picture of how essential oils can do that and how if we start incorporating them into rituals or into our day in certain ways, that it can create the emotional response that we're hoping to accomplish simply by doing it over and over again by creating that ritual. Now, I loved your suggestion of using essential oils as part of your routine when you're doing things that you already do, like brushing your teeth. For me, I love to do to put them on about half an hour before I go to bed when I'm about to go through my bedtime routine and maybe when I'm reading to help signify to my body that it's time to wind down, that we're uh, moving into sleeping time. I also love to use them in the morning while we're making breakfast. And again, I'm more drawn to citrusy things in the morning as well. Do you have any other times that you or examples of ways that people can create rituals with essential oils?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think shower rituals are one of those things that I absolutely love. It really depends on a person. You can use it from... Your recovery periods when you're doing physical activity, something as simple as like going for a run and then finding that really powerful camphor, rosemary, peppermint kind of blend to put onto achy muscles. It could be something as simple as, you know, you're freaking out before a presentation and your ritual before you even walk out to give a presentation is to take deep breaths. It's nothing to just pop a little bit in your hands and take those nice same deep breaths. A couple of other rituals that I that I really love is like your meditation and yoga practice you're sitting there breathing you might as well take some nice deep intentional breaths and the nice thing as you mentioned about essential oils is you can almost create any ritual you want and it's kind of like it makes me think of Pavlov's theory where you ring the bell the dog salivates we can train ourselves to like anything and to to respond to anything so Driving is another thing. I see people in my life that I've seen have extreme road rage. And I just think,
0: (laughs) man, you need a diffuser in your car. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Love it. So many great opportunities to incorporate it into your life. Now, in regards to safety, I do have a lot of moms who listen to this with young kids, also women with pets. So can we talk about some safety surrounding essential oils for Pregnant women, young kids, individuals with allergies, pets?
1: This is another one of those questions that I think is so important that people ask. Essential oils are potent. There's no if ands, or buts about it. It's exactly as you say, like taking a 100 lemons and, and inhaling that. For when I think of little tiny beings and I think about animals, their sense of smell is just so much more developed than ours. And so it's almost like practicing mindfulness with your pet. I wouldn't necessarily diffuse anything super strong with anyone in my home generally. I usually pick nice light smells. I leave the windows open and it's just consideration for animals as well. Speaking to your trusted practitioner, like a vet or that always really is the place to start. Animals have different particularities, but leaving a window open, reading your animal's body language is always a really safe bet. And when it comes to our body and our children, they're generally safe, but some essential oils are contraindicated. So chatting with a medical practitioner is really important. But as a few general rules, if someone's ever in doubt, I would say use a smaller number of drops when you're diffusing. And if you're really in doubt, like emit topical applications because our skin absorbs everything that we put on it. Yeah. And so if someone is breastfeeding, for instance, or they're wondering specifically about children, there are a couple of essential oils that I probably would avoid um, because they can be strong. So something like sweet birch, sometimes people will read it as wintergreen actually on labels, but that's high in methyl salicate and it generally should be avoided for people under 10 years of age. Um, things like eucalyptus, rosemary and sage, all really lovely, but they contain a component. It's a monotropine and it can sometimes distress the respiratory system in kids that are under 10. So we always say under 10, don't put it on their bodies, diffuse in very small amounts, um, and always talk to your medical care.
0: I'm laughing listening to this because I remember my, this morning when my sister was feeling particularly stressed and I came over and I knew nothing about essential oils, but I had your peppermint halo, which I'm obsessed with because it creates this like cooling effect. And I always find it can be really relaxing. It's relaxing and uplifting at the same time, which is odd. But anyways, I put the oil right in between my sister's eyes. Like I was giving her a little massage. (laughs) And a couple of minutes later, she was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. My eyes are on fire. (laughs) She, She was Like, what did you do? I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know. I don't know. Like rub this off. And of course, you can't get it off with water properly. Anyways, the moral of the story is essential oils are beautiful, like life-giving products. But please use them properly (laughs) and apply them to the proper area. Do a quick Google check and make sure that you're applying them properly, usually to the inside of your wrist or the bottoms of your feet is a safe place to start or kind of like along your neck and shoulders. Wow. I don't know about you, but I feel like I've learned a lot in this conversation. I, more, I hope that you who are listening feel the exact same way. Megan Rose, if anyone has any additional questions, where can they go to find out more information about you and about oils? Currently, you can go to,
1: to sage.com. That's always a great place to go. I write a lot of our blog posts. So I'm constantly writing content specifically around things just like this. And there are so many relevant articles there to be looked at. We have Wellness Wednesdays on our Instagram, which is just at Sage Wellness. I have my personal Instagram as well, where I'm consistently posting about plants because I love them so much. So that's at love and lime. And If you really want to know an interesting place, we have a podcast called Well Now. And actually, the first episode was just launched where we featured someone called Rosemary Gladstar. And she's kind of like the, I would say, like the magical fairy founding godmother of herbalism. And if you want a good head start on understanding plants, I would go to Well Now, listen to that first episode where Rosemary kind of gives you all the tips and tricks to understanding
0: plants and even how to recognize them uh, in your own backyard Ugh, of course her name is rosemary and you're <laughs> megan rose what is even going on here <laughs> life is too good uh, thank you so much for joining us and thank you so much to everyone who is tuning in week after week i can't tell you how happy it makes me feel to see the audience growing and to see you diving into this information and actually applying it to your own life So don't forget, you can use the code rawbeauty20 to get 20% off at davidstea.com. You can try their organic cream of Earl Grey or Sunny Sea for a limited time. And also at sage.com, you can use the discount code rawbeauty20 for a limited time. I honestly can't think of a more beautiful wellness ritual than a cup of tea and breathing in some gorgeous essential oils. Please take a moment to let us know what you loved about this episode in the comments below, or you can head on over to Raw Beauty Talks on iTunes to leave a review. I read every single one. I'm so grateful anytime I read something on there. As we wrap things up, remember, 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 your body is different than any other body out there. So As you're listening to these episodes, keep tuning back into yourself to see what truly resonates for you. Above all else, remember you are worthy, you are beautiful, and you are not alone on this incredible journey called life.